the only thing you care about. That's right. The Football Pod is back. If GAA is the only thing you care about, make sure you don't miss the return of the Football Pod. You just knew it was coming down the track. Subscribe to the Football Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports John Duncan with you through to five this evening. This is Football Saturday. Football and off the ball brought to you by Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. You can text us 53106. Listen on News Talk. Also watch us on the Off the Ball digital and social channels on the OTB Sports app, Twitter, YouTube and Facebook. We're joined in studio by the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward and on the line by the former Republic of Ireland striker David Connolly and our own Nathan Murphy who joins us from Glasgow ahead of tonight's Nations League match between the Republic of Ireland and Scotland. 53106, I think the reaction Haaland's been a bit over the top Lewandowski scored 11 and 8 games this season has a much better all-round game if he was playing for Man City he would have scored I mean, more goals but he's not playing I, in the last league though is he? Can you imagine as well just just quickly on, if Haaland was playing in the 90s you know every ball would be going in the box from the goalkeeper on his head he'd be you know smashing players all over the place mm. and and you know he's barely had to out-muscle people really he's barely but you know City keep the ball on the floor an awful lot you know, like that Brentford game, Ivan Tony is almost unplayable in the air, but Brentford just at times just refuse to put it in the air because they want to play the possession game. And same with Man City. It's just, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Maybe if if if, if Haaland was uh, was playing in the nineties, uh, I, I think he'd be utilised a lot more. For, you know, with his aerial ability than he is for Man City. You know, and, and being a little bit more direct. The great thing with Haaland is he takes uh, defenders. They always have to watch him now, and they're always scared. So he takes and he creates more space for yeah. the other players in the Manchester City attack. It's just the, that it's that athleticism. Like I mean, you see a lot of players in the League of Ireland that are really good technically, but they're not at the next level because they're just not quick enough. They're not they're not fast enough off the blocks. And uh, he's as you say, Jetty. As a defender, I, I honestly wouldn't know. I don't know what you can do. I think you can have a nine out of ten performance, and you can score twice because because um, of his ability to to do things out of nothing and that pace that quick pace uh, that quick like five yard pace and his strength as well and he just seems to have a humility about him that he really shouldn't have I mean he's been boyish enthusiasm I would call yeah. it well. yeah I spoke about it last week and yeah. again you're probably making too much for it, but that lovely moment of him like placing the, the jersey uh, to the kit man when everyone just flung it at him and the kit man mm. kind of reciprocating by tapping him on the back it was I mean you can read a lot into social media clips but I there seems to be humility about him and he loves playing football um, and whatever about Roy whatever Roy Keane his dad um, whatever about their life together and, and the moments that they have which are fascinating he seems to be brought up to be a very very good kid I don't think there was yeah. much, much of a life that they had mm. um, Jack Grealish David where do you stand on him is he, is he does he get too much criticism is he just entitled to it is it the 100 million power player thing the, the issue with him because obviously he had a bit of a, a funny exchange with Graham Souness this week Yes, I mean, um, you know, uh, Jack, I, I, I think, look, I, I've seen Jack, you know, live a few times, right, working, and and whenever I watch him, although it's happened less this season, you never get the feeling that he's, he's going to see out a game, right? He, he always looks like he's a mistake or two, a misplaced touch or whatever, away from being taken off. That's how it was last season. Uh, he has finished more games this season from what I've seen. 
But, I mean, he has also said that Pe- Pepper's told him he's got to stay on the ball a little more, which is interesting because, you know, the amount of players that end up at a City or United and it doesn't work out and it's because they change the way they play or they lose their confidence or they don't stay on the ball as long. So, so that was quite interesting in terms of can he have more of an impact on the game by staying on the ball more and having more end product? Does he need to do something else rather than obviously cutting in field as he, as he likes to do? You know, I couldn't understand him last season when he joined. I mean, Pep played him as a striker a couple of times, which I, I just couldn't understand. And every time he dragged him off, he didn't start him as a striker and went, right, it's not working out, say against Watford or against Brentford, and, but I'll, I'll move you wide left. He ended up taking him off. And, and sometimes I sort of blame the manager for Jack's slow start. You know, because I, I, I just think it's one thing if you can't get into the team out wide in a position you bought him for. If you don't have a striker, starting him through the middle was never really going to work. But then keep him on the pitch, but move him over to his strongest position, you know, because I think there is a top, top player in there. Um, but I kind of half blame the manager a little bit. So I, I don't think he really managed him that well in terms of his game time and also his confidence a little bit and there's no doubt you can be cost 100 million or 1 million you know like Jack obviously suffers like like a lot of other players if maybe his game's just a little bit you know off the level Um, but he's look he's a top top player but uh, I don't think I don't think his manager helped him when he signed that's what I think Is it going to end up in cheers or tears Nathan you think with Grealish at City? Oh it feels like it might just fade out and uh, whether it's next summer or the summer after he'll find himself uh, maybe doing a Raheem Sterling and going to another top club I, I sort of feel with Grealish that like Phil Foden contradicts everything that's said about Grealish and the way he plays because when Foden gets the ball he doesn't do what Grealish does and it's generally one or the other out on that left hand side like Foden gets it he is direct he is going to take on the full back he's going to cut inside and his intention is to create a goal or to score a goal it feels every time he gets on it Whereas Grealish just seems, whether it's just shy and confidence or just in a position he's not comfortable in, it, it looks as though he's taken the safe option all the time. And he is 27. It, it does feel like we talk about Jack Grealish like he's 22 or 23 and give him time and he'll develop and all of that. Like this, this is it. He's 27. This should be the absolute peak time of his career. And you know what David says, he's a top, top player. He is playing in a team of greats. Like he's going up against maybe the best English talent of the generation in Phil Foden for the same spot. Erling Haaland already looks like an all-time great. Kevin De Bruyne is one of the best players ever to play in the Premier League. Even the other side, Riyad Mahrez, is a former footballer of the year. Some would say Bernardo Silva is better than a lot of them. So like that's the calibre of player. And at City, they, you can't just do it the odd time. You have to do it all the time. And it's, the fact that he's not he's not as important to City as he was at Aston Villa is maybe taking a bit of getting used to. I'd imagine his touches per game are you know, probably way down. Certainly his effective touches where even when he played out on that left-hand side for Villa where maybe he was at his best he, he, he could control the game from out there whereas now he's sort of a bit part doesn't get it as often and has to try and create something he doesn't I don't, I don't know if there's you know an issue with his lifestyle he obviously uh, bullets Graham Sunas and Roy Keane sort of give the oh, like a night out with him kind of thing he just seem like a, a very good lad uh, but it does feel it's, it's sort of now or never for him if he's to properly seal a place. Because if, you know, for that Manchester derby next week, if everybody's fit, is he in that team? I don't no, think he is. no, he's not. He's not in the team. That's the, and that's the yeah. that's the proof in the pudding, isn't it, really, Nathan? 
It is, and Foden is the one. As I say, Foden for all the big games is who he'll go to because he delivers. Like his best performances generally uh, over the last couple of years have been in the matches against Liverpool, which is as good a caliber of match as he could see anywhere in Europe. I say I think that's where Foden is different. So like this thing of they play in the same position, but he's telling Foden to do one thing and Grealish to do another thing. Maybe there's different types of games where he wants Grealish to do something else, uh, but maybe it is just that step, that little step too far from him. And you know, I've seen the point raised that he costs 50 million. Maybe it's a different conversation. It's 100 million. It's a huge price tag. You expect them to be at Foden's level, even I think Mara's level, uh, which I'm, I'm not sure he is right now. Okay, we've got to take a break. Um, Sam Verdon has scored for Longford 1 0 against 3 United in Division 1 of the League of Ireland. Uh, Finn Harps 0, Bohemians 0 after half an hour. Shelburne into the Women's Cup final. They beat Bohemians by a goal to 0 in the rugby. Uh, Ulster 1 55 39 away to the Scarlets. The DHL Stormers beat Connacht by 38 points to 15. And uh, Armenia 0, Ukraine 5 was a result from earlier on. 5 3 106 for your text messages with Johnny Ward here in studio. Nathan Murphy in Glasgow ahead of the Republic of Ireland Scotland and the former Republic of Ireland striker David. Conley on the line. We're back after this. Football on off the ball. With Sky. Liverpool versus Everton in the Women's Super League. This Sunday, live on Sky Sports. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five. This is Football Saturday with Nathan Murphy in Glasgow, Johnny Warden Studio, and the former Republic of Ireland striker David Connolly on the line as well. You can listen on News Talk and also watch us on the digital and social channels for Off the Ball on the OTB Sports app, YouTube, Facebook, and on Twitter. Um, Shamrock Rovers, Johnny. Uh, are they looking over their shoulder with worry now with Derry City in the title race in your view I think they are you know it's a two point gap with a game in hand um, and Derry have to go to Tala if if Derry City were playing Shamrock Rovers tomorrow uh, I'd be interested to see what Nathan thinks of this if Derry were playing Shamrock Rovers tomorrow anywhere I'd very much fancy them to win and that's on the basis of uh, last Sunday when Rovers had the excuse last Sunday that they'd been to Belgium and they were coming off that Thursday night game which was a bit disappointing and they had to go to the Brandywell even though I think they were back in the country they got a flight home Thursday so they went to Brandywell on Sunday they were so so inferior to Derry so inferior to Derry and through a bit of grit they got it to extra time knocked out of the cup for two years in a row um, having lost the final the year before so that, that was kind of like, okay, well now we focus on Europe and the league. I went to Talca on Thursday night, uh, JD, and it's not a must-win game for Rovers, and Shells are kind of going along okay, nothing to play for. Rovers were so poor, like so, I, so poor. It was honestly one of the worst games I've seen in years at, at any level. There was, there was very little quality in the game. Um, I've never seen Jack Byrne give the ball away so much, and I mean never seen remotely. Uh, sometimes under pressure, sometimes not under pressure. The first shot of note in the game was after about 75 minutes, Dan Cleary off the crossbar um, from 35 yards. There was no quality in the game, otherwise it was flat and Derry City have an out now I think if they win all their games they have a really f- big chance to win the league that's asking a lot but there's something about that like that week for Shamrock Rovers where um, they lost in games gave away bad goals you could exonerate them to an extent Derry you could kind of exonerate them Thursday night it was like well, there's something not quite right here they were really 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 off it and Stephen Bradley has um, I don't know if the players are tired um, they have a big squad they can bring in changes but they're marquee players Faruja who's been brilliant he was taken off at half time the other night um, Graham Burke I think was taken off after getting booked ended up having a verbals with Joey O'Brien <laughs> 
after getting booked. Um, and, you know, Damien Duff spoke about it being like a good point. It was a terrible game of football. I, like, I wouldn't, anyone who went to that and it was their first League of Ireland game wouldn't be going back. And I do wonder with Rovers, I really do. And um, they, have a, they have a lot of big games ahead. I think they're playing UCD Monday. Wouldn't be banging on the beating anyone at the moment. Maybe uh, I'm overreacting. Nathan, is this the result of a long European run? I think it probably is and one thing you would say in Rovers' uh, future is that they've four of the remaining seven games I think it is are at home and they've you know been pretty much unstoppable at Tala all season and last time you know against Van Harps they took them apart you wouldn't be surprised if they did the same against UCD on Monday night it's interesting with the return of Jack Byrne he's clearly the most technically gifted player in the league but at the start of the European campaign they changed things slightly and they started going a bit more direct they were going with Rory Gaffney and Aaron Green up front and it certainly suited European football it, it, it meant actually there was a bit of momentum to what they did because they can be sort of Manchester City-esque at times that you know it's possession almost for possession's sake and they totally dominate the ball and they're very patient and they know that the quality that they're creating chances where they were uh, there was a lot more pace and energy when they were going with the two of them and obviously Jack has come back and there's been an awful lot of rotation and it does feel as though it's starting to fall a little bit flat obviously there's a, there's a big energy boost qualifying for the Conference League but then they haven't kicked on in the Conference League and now they've got these endless run of games and like against Derry they just looked totally totally did you watch that game uh, Nathan I did yeah it, was, it, it felt like it was a game that looked like, uh, it's very hard to watch a game up in Derry uh, like the pitch is a joke uh, that they're still allowed to use a bit, uh, basically a plastic pitch and not a plastic pitch but that they're uh, you know doesn't make for a good viewing experience at all um but they did look shattered. And understandably so. They just played a huge European game. These are some of the biggest games of their career uh, three days in advance. But they're sort of going uh, two games every week. And like, if you're Derry, you're thinking it's the penultimate game of the season as far as I'm aware. That game in Tala uh, between Rovers and Derry. Uh, at the time, I'd imagine Rovers uh, probably a month ago would have thought that that's the night where they'll pick up the league trophy. Uh, right now, if you're Derry, you're thinking let's keep it within two points and we're the team with all the momentum. So call it. Who's going to win the league? It should be Shamrock Rovers. The game Nathan refers to, I think it'll still be alive at that stage, at the very least. And uh, whatever about this season, I was speaking to Rory Higgins during the week. I said, like, I was making the point, like, you've had a very good season. You're going to get to, likely get to an FAI Cup final. And whatever happens, it'll be a good season. But... There was something about Rovers on Thursday night that for me would, would definitely make me not be counting my chickens and I, I do just wonder um, I'm, I, obviously Shamrock Rovers should win the league but it's not done uh, David, uh, the Premier League, we're kind of obviously on the break at the moment and a bit of time to think about what we've seen the last few weeks since, since the start of the season. Uh, who have been the winners, losers for you? Pleasant surprises, disappointments? What's your kind of take so far on what you've seen? Yeah, um... I get, I get, if you if you take away the, the I guess the the city thing, <laughs> the city thing, yeah, and you delve a little bit deeper into it. I mean, I think one of the surprises has got to be Fulham. Mm. I mean, it has to be because I know it's not great for for Duffy, but but he went there because they only had two fit centre halves, and at the start of the season, the manager was moaning like mad as if it was going to be a disaster, and obviously, pretty pleased for um, Alexander Mitrovic because you know a striker who's basically binned under Scott Parker, you know, um, re-energised and, and and has just, you know, um, sort of got off where he left off in the championship. So great for him. And uh, I think that's that's been a real um, surprise, I guess, because I don't think many people saw 
Fulham maybe starting the way they have, um, I think everyone would have thought they'd, they'd have struggled maybe a little bit like they did previously. So I, th- I think for Fulham, that's been a real, that's been a real positive. There's been a few others, you know, like obviously we know about Brighton's form, whether that will continue, but nonetheless, all the money they banked and still to be doing well at the top of the league, you know. Um, but for me, it, the, one of the real surprises has been Fulham. Who finishes second, David? Tottenham. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I don't. That, that's a tough one. I don't know. I, I, I still think. I still think Liverpool. I think they'll come good. I, I do. I think they'll come good, Liverpool. I, I think Tottenham have done well. Don't get me wrong, but and, and look, they're saying all the right things. They're saying everything that we all kind of knew about Antonio Conte, right? And you know, I heard. I knew some of the staff when he was at Chelsea, and um, in fact. A physio I know worked with Antonio at all his other clubs, and he said, "Wow, wait, wait till these Chelsea players get Antonio. They won't know what has hit them. They were training three times a day. They were doing two video meetings a day. They had never worked as hard. The national team, he would run them into the ground. We saw them getting sick pre-season. Remember there was those images. Yeah, Troy Parrott was the only one that wasn't. He was mm. the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got to have and a shelf life, David, doesn't it? Well, but you got to be a hungry team, and Spurs are hungry. Mm. Team. Look at Matt Darty this week at the press conference. Mm. He looks absolutely like. Yeah. I've never yeah, seen yeah. anybody look as fit. Yeah, exactly. Like dogs, like butchers' dogs, and you know, I, I, I have seen them and and be okay. Like I saw them against Brighton, and they were okay. You know, they didn't really do much. Like under Antonio Conte, they were they were all right, but their top part of the pitch is really talented, which certainly, you know, now Son is back scoring goals, who's everyone's favourite, you know, then like you never know. But I, I still think I still think there's a doubt about them whether they can last the pace. Oh, there, there is a doubt. I think what he needs to do is actually play three in the midfield. Um, That's an issue for them, isn't it? They can't necessarily get a lot of control in games. Yeah, I think they've been going too much in the flanks. I think three in the midfield is, and actually just play two up top. Um, uh, but I, I'd be of the view myself that um, I think Liverpool are wrecked. I think Arsenal actually exceeded expectations. I'm interested to see when Arsenal going to Arsenal. They might not. They might be actually all right. Obviously, City are going to win the league and Haaland is, is absolutely sensational. I think Leeds are probably better than their position worse than their position suggests I think Palace are better than their position suggests I don't know about you Nathan what your seven or eight week takeaways yeah. have been I think Arsenal have been exceptional and look obviously Mikel Arteta will get a lot of credit on the coaching side I just think it re-emphasizes that you know, signing good players is such a key part of football and been able to get Zinchenko and Jesus and Zinchenko hasn't played every game uh, but even it seems his leadership and the games he's played he's been brilliant uh, they obviously brought in Martin Odegaard last summer he's gone to another level and Jesus just seems to have transformed things like he's taken on a real leadership role and just a totally different character from what we've seen and with Will they Arsenal like they got a lot of stick after the United game I thought it was over the top they were very very good for 65 minutes yeah they gave up a couple of cheap goals uh, like the top four is so difficult to call like Tottenham has been brilliant at times but uh, it wasn't the, the three games last season John at one stage they went without even having a shot on target and you know David mentioned a couple of those matches it does feel they still have that game in them every so often where they create nothing where they can't get Kane or Son or Richarlison involved in it uh, for Liverpool like, it, yeah it, 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 the next couple of weeks are probably going to decide everything for them like they got Manchester City coming to Anfield about two weeks after the restart uh, so they need to be fully motoring by then uh, and I don't even notice that the wreck. It, it, for me, it feels Liverpool went through a sort of 
almost silent shift in philosophy when they signed Thiago, that the rock and roll football, they decided to go for a bit more control. Mm. And like Thiago is as good as anybody in the world in giving a team control. But it meant actually that they were reliant on one player, whereas actually that midfield of Fabinho, Henderson and Vidaldum the energy that they brought. If one the miss, somebody else could stick in and as long as they had the energy, they could almost do the job because it was all about turnovers. Whereas now they've an awful lot more of the ball in midfield than three, four years ago. And at its best, they probably had to put at their best under Jurgen Klopp. But if Thiago's not there, they've nobody who can control a game like him. And it does feel as though it all falls apart a little bit. So I'm not convinced that Liverpool will turn it around uh, to the extent that they can challenge Manchester City. I think they'll be still there in the mix. But like this is going to be the most fascinating season because you know two of Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, City, United are going to miss out on the Champions League. And even for United, you know I think that's probably going to be seen as some sort of failure this season. Uh, so we're into, what, six weeks before the World Cup? There's probably 12 games from most of those teams. Uh, so we'll have a, a new crisis every three days. Uh, South Africa, by the way, leading Argentina 12-0 in the United Rugby Championship. Uh, he can coach Van, uh, Eric Ten Hag, and it seems like it's working, Nathan, very early, just early doors. But it does, see, it does seem that it's becoming a bit more stable there now. Yeah, it's getting better. Uh, it, it could only get better, it feels, after those first couple of matches. Again, they have a system that seems to work for the players that they have at their disposal. Uh, the signings that they've made have been good signings by and large. Malassi looks a player at left back and Christian Eriksen, uh, you know, he that he played the false nine that first day. Obviously, it uh, wasn't ideal. Now he's played a bit of deeper role. Uh, they've got an awful lot of control in midfield as well and his link up with Bruno Fernandes is going to be important. He feels like he's sorted out the Ronaldo issue uh, and Ronaldo, we haven't heard too much bitch in the moment out of him so far. Uh, but yeah, I think United are getting better. Like, they have an awful lot of talented players. They're always, if they a bit of organisation, going to be good enough to win a lot of games. I think he probably still has a little bit to go, though, before they're fully through the crisis period that they're in. Yeah, David, uh, who do you see as the top four? Is it Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs and uh, City? Um, look, I, I, I just wonder about Arsenal because it, I mentioned I saw them against Brentford, you know, but you go back to the United game. I, I just wonder how they'll go against sides that do that do really go toe-to-toe with them. I, I, I got a feeling that they might be caught in the top four, I, I think, Arsenal. And I know maybe Liverpool might be done, but let me tell you, Liverpool and Chelsea, they, they are going to... I'd put my bottom dollar that those two do finish in the top four. OK, so Nathan, what I are you hoping for? Two. Sorry, sorry, David. Nathan, what are you hoping for tonight? What are you, what are you predicting? Dan was a one-all draw. I think uh, Dan has predicted the one-all draw for every Ireland game for the last 10 years and I'm uh, probably not far behind them. Look, I think Stephen Kenny made a good point yesterday of this bit of new Ireland. We've discussed this team and squad in depth so much over the last couple of years. It feels as though they're maybe more mature than they are. Like when the team's out in an hour, there's a good chance seven of the players will be 23 and under. So it's still a very inexperienced team. And you want them to go out on big occasions like this, away from home and express themselves. As I said, they've done it in Serbia, they've done it in Portugal. And I think tonight they'll go and do it again. And a one-all draw, we would take it. David, call us briefly. Briefly, I would say briefly, they will sneak this one Oh, OK. And the, and the goal scorer? Hogan off the bench. <laughs> the last prediction, David, I heard David give here was that Haaland was an absolute certainty to finish top scorer when he was an 11-4 to four shot. And what's your prediction yeah. this evening, John? 2-0 Ireland. 2-0 Ireland. David and Nathan, thanks so much. Nathan, enjoy Cheers the celebrations thanks, after the game. Cheers, John. <laughs> Cheers, John. <laughs>
or David Connolly there and Nathan Murphy uh, Johnny thank you so much thanks JD uh, enjoy the evening enjoy the night uh, Saturday night football it's great to have international uh, RNV Scotland a lot of fun to be had that's it for today don't forget off the ball back tomorrow 1-7 to seven, here on News Talk Joe Malloy in the chair going to be a great Sunday paper review with Vincent Hogan and Jerry Thornley in the studio Shane Keegan and Dion Fanning will review tonight's Nations League match between the Republic of Ireland and Scotland in Glasgow in the football hour Niall O'Toole will join us again from the World Rowing Championships remember gold today for Paula Donovan and Fintan McCarthy we'll also bring you the best bits folks from Golf Weekly and we'll play out the Brendan O'Duffy interview from OTB AM earlier this week and must listen be sure to join us tomorrow if you missed any of the Saturday panel on Ireland and Australian rules with Cora Staunton Mickey Quinn and Kieran Byrne or any of OTB Football Saturday with Nathan Dan McDonald, Johnny Ward and David Connolly you can find the podcast of our content on the OTB Sports app or wherever you get your pods thanks so much for listening to us on your radio across the country here on News Talk Today we'll speak tomorrow at 1 bye bye Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports